come in. Take a seat on a porcelain throne with us. This is the poop crew. <laughs> Tell us about your day. Uh, Tell us about your poops. <laughs> we need we need to get like a photo of the two of us sitting next to each other on on toilets. On toilets, yeah. Because right now our uh, podcast photo is just the poop emoji, <laughs> which I I just I just want everyone to know that I had Indian food for dinner last night and for lunch today, and um. Things will happen. <laughs> so, well, is that a, that's all you're gonna say? For, that's all I'm gonna say. I've been having. That's a, all I'm gonna say. That's all there is to say. I'll say more. My butt's been having a weird time recently. I've been like really yeah. constipated, but I, my my poops have been persistent. They're like, nah, we're coming out, and I'm like, but I'm constipated, and they're like, I don't care. Uh, so. So you're going to the way of the griffin. A little bit. Well, for me, going the way of the griffin is that I've been pooping like once a day now instead of like every other day, which is what I usually do. Um, I used to poop once a day. Now I poop like three times a day. um, Pooping like once a day for me is like, wow, I'm actually having good movements. (laughs) No, if if I'm only pooping once a day... It means that that one poop per day is going to be a war zone. <laughs> just an absolute, just yeah, poop war. I, I think that's as I think that's as optimal of a descriptor as I can give. Wars, war zone, uh, poop was my favorite Xbox 360 game. <laughs> oh, isn't there a game series called Warzone? Anyways, never mind. No, isn't that isn't that a Call of Duty game? Oh, it, Call of Duty Warzone. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> that game would be much more fun if there if pooping was was part a part of the game. Was a part of the game. Yeah, in fact, that would make all Call of Duty games better. Just put um, who makes Call of Duty? Activision. It's Activision, isn't it? Come, it's Activision. Come on, Activision. Fucking yeah, come on, Activision. Man up and put pooping in Call of Duty. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Call of Duty today. Instead, we're going to be talking about something completely different. We're talking about Disney. Specifically, Disney during the aughts, 2000 to 2009. Um, which is basically the the period of time that you and I would have been children growing up with Disney. Yeah. Also, a quick note for the audience. If you ever come here expecting to hear anything about Call of Duty... Uh, I'm sorry, we're not, no. not the podcast for you. Me and Griffin are both yeah, Nintendo no. boys or grew up Nintendo boys. Yeah. Sorry. If anyone was out there thinking like, oh man, I can't wait for them to do a call of duty episode. It's not going to happen. The closest you're going to get is one of our guests talking about call of duty. Like that's the closest yeah. you're going to get <laughs> anyways. C- and then it'll anyway. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about Disney movies from the two thousands because I'm sure to you and to me as well, growing up with a lot of these movies, because we were both born in the late 90s, we were kids when when all these movies came out, Mm -hmm. a lot of them probably seemed pretty normal to us at the time. But now that we're a good decade away and, and we can look at it from a distance in context with the whole of of Disney's library, Mm -hmm. the 2000s were insane. What? Disney kind of lost their minds during this decade in both good and bad ways. Um, and I just, David, I want to open with a question for you. Yes. I want you to guess how many movies Disney put out in the 2000s. And we're not counting, we're not counting Pixar. We're not counting like stuff that was made by like secondary studios, just the like official Walt Disney Studios animated features. How many were there in the 2000s? Was it was there like 4 total? Yeah. No. Um you're not even going to give me a hint if I'm high or low. I listen, I'll, I know I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you two more guesses. I know there's Prince Princess and the Frog and uh and uh Home on the Range. I know about that's at least two. Um Fuck, was Treasure Planet during the 2000s? It was. Okay, so it's at least three. And it's not four. 
It's not four, so it's got to be more. It's got to be at least five. I'm gonna I'm gonna go high this time. I'm gonna say sixteen. Okay, that that is also incorrect. All right, so I'm that's too ma- that's too many. <laughs> I'm gonna go. All right, I'm gonna go for eight. Final answer. Well, you, well, you were kind of hovering around it. The correct answer is twelve. Ooh. That is now that is more than any other decade in Disney's history. By quite a margin. I think the 90s had 10, mm-hmm. and no other decade is particularly close, I think. Let's see. I'm on, um, I'm on my phone to look them up, but I feel like you're going to tell me what they are, so maybe I just need to Oh, wait. I'll tell you what they are. I actually... Shoot, I, I had it open, and then I closed it. Let me pull it up again. Because they have them listed out all nicely on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> um, if you look in the Walt Disney Animation Studios collection... Where the 2000s, by the way, are the only decade that gets an entire tab to itself on Disney+. Plus. They know what their audience is. <laughs> there are a lot of... So, we're not going to talk about all these movies, but we're going to talk about a few of them. But just to give you the quick rundown of all the movies that came out during this decade. All 12 of them. Mm-hmm. So, we start with Fantasia 2000. Oh, okay. Yeah. Remember that? Yes, I do. Dinosaur. <gasps> My fucking god. No. The Emperor's New Groove. That's a banger, but anyways. Wh- which one, Dinosaur or Emperor? Emperor's New Groove. Oh, I actually think they're both bangers. I haven't we'll seen... Get to that yeah, we'll get to that. Um, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Okay. Lilo and Stitch. Uh-huh. Treasure Planet. Brother Bear. Mm-hmm. Home on the Range. Chicken Little. Meet the Robinsons. Mm-hmm. Bolt, and The Princess and the Frog. Okay, so I actually have seen all of these movies at one point in my life, so we're good. I, wait, l- let me, have I seen all of these at some point in my life? I have never, you know what, I have never seen Fantasia 2000. I have seen. But I think I've seen everything else. I believe I have seen Fantasia 2000. It may have been in 2001, so that might be the movie I have the least amount to say about. Yeah, well, I actually... Because I knew we were going to be talking about this. So I actually have been watching a couple of them in the last, like, week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched I watched Emperor's New Groove last night. I watched uh, Home on the Range the other night. I watched Lilo and Stitch. And, uh, and I watched Dinosaur. Um, now, I don't know. Do you, is there a particular one of these movies that we should talk about first? I'm just... I feel like we should start with, like, an over-under underrated overrated kind of situation where we're like where we go very much so very i because this decade is home to my favorite disney movie of all time which is treasure planet Mm -hmm. and it is also home to what is probably my least favorite disney movie of all time which is home on the range i was about to say maybe we should maybe we should go down the line real quick and just give a give a like a quick uh if it's a banger or if it's like fucking cringe, like you know. All right. Well, I've never seen Fantasia okay. 2000, so I, you're gonna have to I don't, to take the reins on that if you know anything at I all. I barely remember. I just remember that the um there there's a cool animation with like kind of a Earth spirit that fights a giant phoenix, and that's all I remember. Um, cool. And there's a flamingo with a yo-yo, and that was also a really good animation. Anyways. <laughs> all right. You know what? That's all we got. All right. So Fantasia is um, done. All right dinosaur done which i also watched the other night and you know what i like i loved it (laughs) i i can't mince words here i loved it that movie i had i i haven't seen it in literally since i was a child but i do remember getting the mcdonald's me neither until a couple nights ago i remember getting the mcdonald's toys for it when i would go to eat at mcdonald's when i was a little child and they were fun and then I remember uh, the creepy-looking monkey people, um, and the lemurs, the lemurs, and the, yeah. um, but also nothing about it from my memory sticks out as being bad. It's just I haven't seen it in fucking probably over a decade. Um, well, here's the thing: once again, I have I hadn't seen this movie for like maybe almost twenty years, mm-hmm. but I watched it the other night. And the second that that music started up, that that main theme music started up, 
I immediately got, like, started to get emotional with it and started to remember everything. Because God, and goddamn, listen, the CG in this movie does not look very good by modern standards. I was about to say, it may have been made a little earlier than it should have been made for the technology. But if you can look past that, this is a damn, it's a damn good movie. And honestly, like, this, I think Dinosaur is the movie that is most in need of a remake from Disney. Just to kind of give that that CG a (laughs) touch-up. Yeah, because, well, Disney is so interested in remaking everything now, and like, we did not need a Mulan remake. We did not need an Aladdin remake. Oh my god, we did not need a Lion King remake. We need a dinosaur remake, though. Um, Because imagine if you could tell that same story with just, like, touched up animation and graphics and better CG. And it was, al- and it was already CG animals to begin with, so it's not like a huge leap. Yeah, like, and they've shown, for as much as I am not a big fan of the Lion King remake, those CG animals looked pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. So, that's Dinosaur. That's, uh, what's the next one? Is it Home on the Ring? Um, no, it's Emperor's New Groove. Banger. Banger. Weird movie. Very weird movie. Very weird movie, but banger. We're gonna, I think, like, yeah, go, I was gonna say, I'd be down to... I didn't know if you wanted to get through the over-unders and then tell me why this era was insane after that, but... Um, I think we can just kind of talk about it as we go. Okay, always um, a good... And I think Emperor's New Groove is kind of a good place to start with what makes this decade so insane. Because Fantasia 2000 was kind of like a special side project. Dinosaurs and, was testing out... And Dinosaur... 3D, 3D graphics. Yeah, Dinosaur was kind of a test run for, for a lot of CGI stuff. Emperor's New Groove was the first, like, proper 2D animated Disney movie of the decade. Mm -hmm. And compared to the stuff that Disney was putting out in the 90s, the Emperor's New Groove is so fucking out of left field. All of the fourth wall jokes and weird, uh, like, adult humor and, like, everyone in, like, everyone in the movie is kind of an asshole. It's also... But you kind of don't care. The weird thing is it's also actively the first animated comedy that uh, they've put out in a while. They put out, like, their other movies are funny. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's true. Like, uh, every movie has its own, like, funny side characters and funny bits. But they are narrative stories generally having, like, a dramatic twist of some kind. Yeah, like, Emperor's of... New Groove is a comedy <laughs> it, yeah like none of the stuff in the 90s was a comedy mm-hmm. they can be funny none of the stuff i don't think any of the stuff in the 80s before was a comedy either the closest like, is like aladdin and that's still not technically <laughs> oh i was gonna say the closest is hercules hercules too but like but even hercules and some of those other movies like tarzan that came out in the late 90s were sort of a warm-up round for what disney was going to be doing in the 2000s mm-hmm. Um, because it really just was the decade of Disney going, all right, uh, like, we've proven that we can still make, you know, animated musicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get experimental and throw everything at the wall and just see what sticks now. And they spent pretty much a decade doing that in the 2000s, and this is the result. When did Emperor's New Groove come out? 2000. There were three Disney movies just in the year 2000. Oh my god, okay. I know. Um, they 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 hit the ground running. They were like, <laughs> or stumbling, depending on who you talk to. Speaking about hitting the ground running, you know they um they put out their animated comedy, and then guess who uh, guess who decided to throw down the gauntlet directly after that for animated comedies? Who's that? Somebody once told me the That's world right. was gonna show me. <laughs> The, the, the the year, right, show. right after that, DreamWorks put out Shrek. Yeah. Um, and this was also... Um, they can't copyright claim us on that if I get the lyrics wrong. So, <laughs> anyways. This isn't... Yeah. <laughs> That's true, you did technically get the lyrics wrong. <laughs> um, But this does feel like a good time to point out that In addition to, like, meanwhile, while Disney was doing all the stuff that Disney was doing during this decade, 
this was the decade that Pixar was untouchable. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like that might be part of the reason why Disney was like, okay, we can kind of get weird with it, was because Pixar was kind of carrying them. At this point, we had already had, what, Toy Story, Toy Story 2, and Bugs Life? Yeah, Toy Story 2 was in 99, and then they went, like, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, Wally. Yeah. Which were all mega, mega hits. Mm-hmm. So after um, um, Emperor's New Groove, what came next? After Emperor's New Groove was Atlantis. and Banger. Sorry. <laughs> this is a movie, I hadn't seen Atlantis until quite recently. I never saw it when I was a kid. Um, I, I finally saw it when I was in college. And you know, I... I, I I want to preface this. I do like the movie. It's a very good movie. But I do also kind of understand why it's it was not loved in its time. Mm-hmm. I can get it. I it's a very it's a very strange idea. A lot of the animation is like like they they clearly did not put like their very best people on this. I enjoy some a lot of the animation, but regardless, it it definitely... How do I put this? It's it's a little rough around the edges in parts. There is nothing really in Atlantis. How do I put this? In the year 2000. I like the movie. Like we've said, I like the movie. There's nothing yeah, in... I think, yeah, we both like it. Atlantis, especially in the year 2001. Came out 2001. Yep, 2001. There's nothing in that movie to distinguish it. In the year 2001. Yeah. It can't distinguish itself from uh, a Pixar movie, and it sure as shit can't distinguish itself from Shrek, which is its biggest competition at the time. And that... Yeah. And that is... And I mean, that's why... That's kind of why Disney seemed to go insane during this time, is because Atlantis is kind of a more classic Disney animated film in the way that it's funny, but it's also, like, got a narrative it's really trying to tell, and it's... Yeah, it's... it's it's much more traditional Disney than Emperor's New Groove was. Uh-huh, and it just wasn't distinguishing itself at the time. Now we can tell that it's kind of a fun little, like, cult classic, but speaking of fun yeah. little cult classics, well, is ne- is it, is it, uh, does Treasure come out next? Uh, no, technically Lilo and Stitch ah. comes out before it. Um, Lilo and Stitch, I watched Lilo and Stitch the other night. Lilo and Stitch is a fucking masterpiece. Oh, it's great. It's incredible. It's and and I will say like Lilo and Stitch is probably the most like generally beloved Disney movie from this decade. I mean, it's also I it's cer- I think it's certainly the one that people loved the most at the time that it came out. It it's a a great movie. It's also uh displays um Oh, let's not forget, it displays a woman from Hawaii taking care of her uh, sister because uh, her yeah. their parents um, aren't... Their parents died. Their parents died, and she's actively, like, working two jobs, and she's, like, worried about her uh, sister being taken away from, like, child services. It, it's a surprisingly dark movie in parts. Uh-huh. And what's interesting about it is that it tries to do so many things at once. Like, it's one part, like, intense family drama. It's another part, like, oh, look at the kid and their adorable weird dog. And then it's another part, insane, like, sci-fi adventure. And it works. <laughs> and, and yeah, and none of those three parts fail. All three of them are good. Mm-hmm. Um, You could say some are better than others, but overall, like, it... it it was a movie that wanted to be very ambitious, and I think it absolutely knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it is. It's a great movie, and it also it it like we were saying it it did enough to distinguish itself truly in the yes. in the time because it oh, it, was, the, it was set in modern time. It wasn't like a princess movie. It wasn't. Um, I mean, do you remember the marketing for Lilo and Stitch? Also, real quick, just to say, there's nothing wrong with the princess movies. I just saying it was distinguishing itself by not being one. Anyways, do, no, I don't remember the marketing. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, I do. If you remember, the, I do. He was the marketing. The marketing for Lilo and Stitch was fucking brilliant because they kept putting like all these other traditional Disney characters, and and then Stitch would show up, and everyone would just be like, "Ew, what the fuck is that?" I remember that now. 
Yeah, because I remember on it, my because uh, on my uh, VHS tapes, I would see ads for Lilo and Stitch, and it would be like Beauty and the Beast dancing, and then Stitch would fall from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, like it. It they knew like this is gonna. This is like this is not your grandmother's Disney movie. <laughs> um, this is. It really felt like they were trying to like be the weird Disney movie for the new millennium. And it worked perfectly. Uh, Cause Stitch is such an inherently likable, but at the same time, totally gross and repelling character. Um, and then they tried to capture that, uh, that lightning in a bottle again, sci-fi family drama <laughs> again with uh treasure planet. And it didn't work for them, but it did work. <laughs> yeah. So to me, and I didn't, to me, Atlantis felt like a warm-up round for Treasure Planet. Because mm-hmm. um, the, the, the two movies, I think, are very similar of being massively underrated, massively underappreciated movies from the same era where they went to go with a, with a very, like, adventure-centered uh, direction. Mm-hmm. And... Like I said at the beginning of this, Treasure Planet is my favorite, favorite Disney movie. Mm -hmm. I love this movie to death. Um, As we discussed during the Star Wars episode, I love space things. Mm -hmm. And I also love pirates. And it just, it has everything I like in one movie. I understand it's not for everyone, but like, I will, I will stand by this movie till the end of time as, as my favorite Disney movie. I'm just thinking about it, because I've been playing Kingdom Hearts recently. I don't think they've ever made a Treasure Planet world in Kingdom Hearts. That's absolutely criminal. Although they have made uh, Pirates of the Caribbean world. What the fuck? What the fuck, Disney? <laughs> where you where you fight Heartless alongside Captain Jack Sparrow. Well, that honestly, that honestly is kind of another reason that Treasure Planet gets forgotten about, is because it immediately got... It's thunder stolen because the next year the first Pirates movie mm-hmm. came out, mm-hmm. and everybody loved that. So like that that's where yeah. all the like pirate audience went, mm-hmm. and and no one, I don't know. I think people just didn't understand Treasure Planet. It was a weird idea because it was the book Treasure Island, but we're gonna put it in space for no apparent reason. This is two thousand four um, or two thousand five. This is two thousand two. Ah, we're still in two thousand two. Jesus. Um, yeah, I know. It's yeah, I know. Like we're only we're only 3 years into the decade and Disney's already put out 6 movies. I want to see okay. Oh no. What? What are you what are you looking up? I'm trying to look up what was uh what were other 2002 um movies that uh um Treasure Planet would have had to compete with. Oh, I see. And um, I don't know. There wasn't a Pixar movie that year. There was one big competitor. Can you? What was it? Can you guess what it was? Two thousand two. Was it a DreamWorks movie? No. Was it? It wasn't a Pixar movie. Was it Ice Age? It was Ice Age. The first Ice Age. The first Ice Age came out in two thousand two. You know what? Um, I like Ice Age. It's not better than Treasure Planet. It's not. Also, Spy Kids 2 came out, but that's neither here nor there. I just wanted that to be. That's here, there, neither here nor there, although I do love Spy Kids 2. <laughs> we might have to have a Spy Kids episode at some point. Um, but anyway, yeah. I Treasure Planet, I, I don't really know what to say about it other than like... It's good. Go watch it wanna, if you haven't. <laughs> I mean, if I if I needed to, I could spend this entire episode just talking about Treasure Planet um but i don't think that would be very interesting so let's let's move on for now and maybe at some point in the future we will do a whole episode just about treasure planet mm-hmm. cuz i could easily talk about it for an hour straight if i needed to we'll just do a special um, event one time where we stream ourselves watching treasure planet <laughs> i would be super i would be super down with that um brother bear is next okay so what's now, after brother bear <laughs> I, I'm sorry, no one cares you just about Brother skip, Bear. You just want to skip Brother Bear? <laughs> it's no, it's fine. We can talk about. I've seen it like maybe once. I think maybe twice. I, 
I just can't remember anything other than there's two moves okay, so played by here, the McKenzie brothers. <laughs> yeah, so there's two moves played by the McKenzie brothers, which, wild choice on Disney's part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely wild. Because first of all, no kid's gonna know who those are. Mm-hmm. Incredibly weird choice to have the McKenzie brothers as mo- as moose in that movie. I mean, I get it, because like, oh, uh, Canadian moose. Mm-hmm. But like... No child is going to understand what the joke is there. Like, that is that that was purely for the adults. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then the only other thing I remember about that movie is that it's the other Disney movie that Phil Collins did the songs for. Um, now... The first being Tarzan. I apologize if, um... I do understand this is, um, Disney's only film starring a Inuit... Uh, lead character. Um, is that is that right? It is, and that's probably. And right. our joke of wanting to skip it is not because of that. It's just because uh, it's not. No. It's a bit unremem- uh, unmemorable movie. It's... But also, real quick, Disney didn't really care that it had an Inuit main character because his main character is voiced by a white dude, and also yeah, I was gonna say, I bet they're voiced by white people. And their music. Here's a fun fact: the music they have uh, in Brother Bear. Um, I believe there's like a quote or something. It's 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 like Swedish folk music because they believe that sounded air quotes more Inuit than actual. Oh my god! And so like you know, I'm I'm actually face palming right now. It's like this this is not maybe the best movie to go to for Inuit representation. <laughs> yeah, it's um the the problem with Brother Bear is there's. There's not I can't remember anything technically wrong with it, but I also can't remember anything exciting about it either. The Mackenzies are in it and this Yeah, the McKen Yeah, like the McKenzie brothers are in it. That's the biggest thing it has going for it, and if and like I'd rather just watch Strange Brew. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. I'd I'd ra- Um so let's close the door on Brother Bear. <laughs> um and instead we're gonna talk about Home on the Range. Um, this is a film. This is a, this is a movie that was, I mean, it had to have been written by 14 year olds. Or 14 one year olds. (laughs) I, something like that. This movie is not good. Uh, in fact, it's bad. It, um, I watched it the other night just to be certain, because I remember... I saw it as a kid, and I remembered liking it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know, like, you know, I remember seeing things later as an adult where it's like, oh, this is, like, one of the worst Disney movies ever made. And I'm like, can that really be true? So I went and watched it the other night. And, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's that bad. Were they trying to make another, like, Disney comedy with that one? I think so. I it seems like they were trying to to recapture the magic of Emperor's New Groove, but it just doesn't work. And uh, I mean, all oh, my own. It's Ro- I mean, it's Roseanne Barr as a cow. I I don't know what else to say. And she's just playing Roseanne Barr. My only memory of Home on the Range is I saw it once in theaters when it came out. And that was, my dad took me, it was a lovely gesture on his part, he, like, it was a Saturday, he just took me out for a movie, um, and I went, and I got one of the worst headaches of my life in that theater. <laughs> I don't know what it was, maybe it was because I had been... Was it from the movie, or, was, it could have or either, were you just sick? It could have either been from the movie, or the fact that I had been watching TV all of that Saturday, or I just was a child, and I mm. didn't understand the importance of drinking water at the time. But man, I had a bad headache when I got out. I mean, it's. I feel like there's a decent chance that it could be any one of those things. Um, I mean, I was... I. I literally groaned out loud within the first 10 minutes of watching that movie the other night. And, and man, uh, do you remember what the bad guy's plan was in that movie? He's buying up land, right? Yeah, but do you remember how he did it? Yodeling? (laughs) That is correct. He yodels. And for reasons that the movie does not explain, his yodeling has the power 
to hypnotize cows. But only cows. What a what a superpower. Yeah. And and when he starts yodeling for the first time, it's a full-on, like, trippy, psychedelic nightmare se- musical sequence. It's almost on the same level as the fucking Elephants on Parade from Dumbo. <laughs> it's not quite that bad, but it's close. Um... And, uh, and he also gets really offended if you refer to his yodeling as singing. Now, we talked about, um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, just you and I in our regular human time, and you said there's kind of one small saving grace to that movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, the saving grace of Home on the Range is without a, is without a doubt, it's not the good guys, it's not the bad guy, it's the bad guy's sidekicks. The Willie Brothers are the absolute best part of this movie, and it's not close. It's they only I, it's, just... it's almost hard to explain. You just have to watch it and just be able to appreciate how mind-numbingly stupid these characters are. <laughs> there's, there's a bit throughout the movie, because... The bad guy, like, buys up land by, like, disguising himself so people don't know it's him. And the Willie brothers cannot tell that it's him when he has the disguise on, no matter what. He literally just, he's literally standing in front of them, he puts on a pair of glasses, and they all of a sudden just go, Hey, who are you? (laughs) And then later, one of the other Willie brothers puts on the glasses for himself, and the other two forget who he is. It's That is the level of dumb that these characters are. And you know what? It's not, I mean, it's not clever humor at all, but I can't lie, it had me laughing a lot. Well, let's, let's leave, uh, let's uh, ride off into the sunset on this. And what's the next one? Um, good God, what is the next one? I think it's Chicken Little. It is Chicken Little. Um, That's a weird one. It's got... Chicken Little... Well, Chicken Little was their next attempt at doing proper 3D animation. And it's very evident that Disney did not have as good a handle on how to do that as Pixar did at the same time. Yeah, it... Cause like that, nowadays Disney's Disney's got it figured out pretty good, but in two thousand two thousand five was a different time. It two thousand five. What what Pixar movie came out two thousand five? Like, the Incredibles. Oh I think. wow! Or the Incredibles. The Incredibles might have been late oh four. Well, I I don't remember. What a um, what a fucking movie to compete with. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, 2005, I think that's also when the first Madagascar movie came out. So yeah, they just didn't so, have a handle on it as much as DreamWorks and Pixar uh, at the time. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I just... Sorry, David just took his shirt off in front of me. It's hot! I I know. I did it, I did <laughs> it without thinking. I'm putting it back I might, on. I might cut... Oh, it's okay, we'll cut that part. Not if you don't want to, it is funny. <laughs> Um, sorry, sorry, I was distracted by David's shirtless body. <laughs> anyway, um, the only thing I really remember about Chicken Little is that the main character, Chicken Little, is voiced by Zach Braff, of course, who's the main character from Scrubs, and um, that's really all I remember. I'm pretty sure they're like aliens there, or something. There are aliens. I remember the McDonald's toys, and uh, yeah. It's not a... I mean, it's fine. Listen, if you want, you can watch Chicken Little. You won't have a bad time, but you'll be fine. Yeah, it's, um... I don't know, let's move on. I've got nothing to say about Chicken Little. Um, I actually do have a couple things to say about the next movie, though, which is Meet the Robinsons. That is kind of a hidden treasure. A little hidden gem. Meet the Robinsons is kind of a hidden treasure. And you know what? I also have a strange story about the time that I went to go see Meet the Robinsons in theaters. So, I had an absolutely horrible, um, eye infection that day. To the point where I physically could not open my right eye. Great time to see it, a movie. Ha- <laughs> yeah, so 
I watched that entire movie while in great discomfort from my eye infection, and also with only one functional eye. (laughs) So, watching that movie for the first time, I mean, listen, I was only 10 years old and had never done any drugs at that point, but it might as well have been my first drug-like experience. Well, what? Yeah. Because... Um, especially because of, like, that movie gets pretty dark at the end. Yeah, it gets dark and it's weird. And it's... It's incredibly weird. It's such a weird movie. Um... Mostly in a good way, but it gets dark at the end of a bunch of weird Yeah, like, upon re-watching it years later, I'm like, oh, this is actually a, a really nice, cool, sweet movie. Um, but man, at the time, it was a crazy fever dream. And I was, like, kind of unsure when I walked out of that theater, like, did, what did I just, like, I, I could not comprehend what I had just watched. (laughs) There's like singing frogs, dinosaurs, people throwing pies. It's fucking. Yeah. Like they couldn't just make a time travel movie. No, they also had to bring in like mind controlling hats and, (laughs) and talking dinosaurs and singing frogs and every member of the family, the Robinson family, is positively insane. And for most of them, they don't really explain why these people are insane. They kind of just are. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, look, these are just some quirky people. And there's there's one guy who I'm pretty sure, like, his wife, his wife, quote unquote, is literally just a puppet. That he has in his hand. And no one else, aside from the main character who travels from the past, nobody else seems to acknowledge that that's a weird thing. The, um, and the main character wears a fruit hat for most of the film. Anyways. (laughs) Yes. He also wears a fruit hat for most of the film. Um, and, I mean, there is a reason in the story for it, but... Just go watch Meet the Robinsons. You'll have, you'll actually have a fun time with that one. I you will actually have a fun time. This is yeah, like another another hidden gem from this decade where everyone thought that like Disney was dead on their feet and and it turns out like no, they're actually putting out some good stuff. You guys just aren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. And they were also People making... saw Home on the Range and thought that everything was lost from there. Um did this is at the point where Disney re-collided with uh pixar right because there was a point where they were separate and then they came back together yeah i i i believe that's correct i think they re-collided about a year earlier because i think meet the robinsons was 2007 and i want to say they re-collided right around the time that cars was coming out which i believe was 06 Mm -hmm. um and cars was very popular Mm -hmm. If you've been if you've been to to any uh Disney theme park, you know how popular Cars is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's Meet the Robinsons. And actually, before we get there's two movies left from this decade, uh Bolt and Princess and the Frog. But I actually do want to real quick touch on another movie that is not technically part of this collection, but I would I don't know. I want to spend a moment to talk about Enchanted. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen Enchanted? Yeah, I love Enchanted. Okay, I do too. Um, Enchanted was a weird experiment. It was a half, like, half Disney movie, half, like, Touchstone Pictures film. <laughs> not, not like, yeah. actually, but that's what it feels like, because it's half animated, yeah. half real uh, life. And uh, did you know they're, they're making a, a Disney Plus sequel to it? I did not know that's, that. That's being that's being made right now. I'm happy. I really um, liked Enchanted. <laughs> yeah, I really I really like Enchanted, which is not technically part of this pantheon, but it feels like it should be mentioned. It's because it's it's literally a spoof of Disney princess movies. It's brought up, and sometimes. it's a, and it's also the closest thing to a Disney princess movie that Disney put out during this decade. It's brought up sometimes in like the Disney princess pantheon, like um, yeah. Sometimes, every once in a while. Uh, I mean, if you want to get real technical, Giselle is closer to a princess than Mulan is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This always drives me crazy, is that Mulan is always treated as, like, one of the Disney princesses. But she's not a princess at all. 
Not remotely. <laughs> She's literally a a peasant in ancient China. <laughs> yeah. Like that's her story. She's, She's a great hero. Yeah. Like it's it's it it's it's at that point that you have to ask like Disney knows, right, that, like, not every female protagonist is automatically a princess. You do know that, Disney, don't you? It's... It is funny, because I've been, uh, re- uh, I've been playing Kingdom Hearts 1 recently, and in that game, a large part of the story is the bad guys collecting the princesses of heart, air quotes, and, uh, as you can guess, probably the princesses of heart are... The Disney princesses. Yeah, but some of them are a bit weird. For instance, um, they include Alice from Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> She's not a princess. But you want to know who is in that game, but not one of the princesses of heart? Who? Ariel. What? But Ariel is actually a princess. She is actively a princess. Now... She is actively a princess. Because who are the others? The I, others are all fine because it's like Snow White. I don't know. We're yeah. we're getting we're getting off topic. Snow White, not technically a princess, um, I don't think. Anyways, continuing. the the last The last note I'll say on that is that they don't count. You know who should count as a Disney princess, but doesn't get counted because she's not human. Who? Nala from the Lion King. <laughs> you are right. Nala is technically a. She's, princess. she's much closer to a princess than Mulan is, yet she doesn't count because she's a lion. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't remember a goddamn thing about the movie Bolt. I do. It's a weird one. It's, um, it is... Some- Actually, for a long time, I didn't even know that Bolt was... A, like, proper theatrical Disney movie. I thought it was, like, a weird made-for-TV thing on Disney Channel. Nah, it was... Because this was around the time when I was watching Disney Channel shows. And, th- I mean, they promoted that movie constantly on Well, there. you know, one reason you might feel that way is that it was a vehicle for Miley Cyrus. Yeah, didn't she voice the human she girl? Vo- she voiced the human girl, yeah. Um... Yeah. And, and so, like... They kind of didn't market the movie about what the movie was actually about at all. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, I mean, the thing, the story is, is about a uh, dog actor in Hollywood that doesn't recognize that he's an actor. And he actually thinks he's a right. superhero dog. Um, and he gets... Which is kind of, which could be a very interesting story. It's essentially a Homeward Bound it's just Homeward Bound. It's, it's, it is kind of Homeward Bound. It's just about a dog, a cat, and a hamster that are trying to make their way back to the human that owns the dog. Yeah. So, like... And I remember the hamster is, like, a, absolutely insane. Yeah. It's a, it's a Bolt fan. The hamster's a Bolt fan. Um, so, it's a, yeah, that's the movie. Um, of those three... Anim- uh, if of those three CGI tests before they finally got to Tangled, uh, just watch Meet the Robinsons and you can kind of leave uh, Chicken Little and Ball yeah. up, by the way. Well, side. and if you if if Dinosaur counts, I would also say watch Dinosaur. Yeah, watch Dinosaur. Um, <laughs> um, if you have kids and they are tired of literally every other Disney movie, you could probably show them Chicken Little and Bolt. There's nothing wrong with them. They're not like boring, but like, yeah, they're just you're you're gonna come out of those movies being like, all right, that was okay, and then you'll probably have forgotten about them a week later. Yeah, like I'd probably <laughs> if I had a kid. Not that you have to have a kid to watch Disney, but I'm just using this scenario as someone who would like force someone to watch Disney movies over and over again. I would rather probably watch, uh. I'd probably rather watch any Pixar movie from the time two times in a row than watch than watch uh, uh, a Pixar movie than Bolt. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple Pixar movies that I'd probably want to watch less than Bolt, but for the most part, yeah, I agree with that. Um, because again, this was Bolt came out in 2008. This is the same year that Ratatouille came Ooh. out, and. Ooh. I mean, Bolt had no chance of competing with Ratatouille. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it really did. Because Ratatou- Ratatouille, I know for a lot of pe- a lot of people, Ratatouille is, like, their favorite Pixar it's movie. It's my favorite Pixar movie, so. Is it your favorite Pixar movie? It's not my favorite, but it's up there. I've, it's funny to me that the people, um, 
the problems that some people have with that movie is they just can't get over rats in the kitchen. <laughs> you know, I, I, it doesn't affect my perception of the movie, but I do understand where those people are mm-hmm. coming from as someone who has had a rat problem in their apartment before. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, man, that scene at the beginning where the, the like ceiling falls in the old woman's house and there's rats everywhere. I mean, that like that's borderline horror. <laughs> Rat horror. Um, and then we come to the yeah. last movie, um, right? Of the of the Yeah, and then we come to the then we come to Princess and the Frog, where Disney, after a decade of throwing everything at the wall and see what sticks, finally said, Alright, that was fun. Let's go back to doing what we know we're good at. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I think I've only seen, I think this might be the movie that I've seen the least. I think I may have only seen about half of Disney and the Frog. Um, I, I've, I've seen it, I saw it a couple years ago for the first time, and I've only seen it the once. It's a good movie. Did I just say I, Disney I enjoyed and the Frog, it. or did I say Princess and the Frog? I think you might have said Disney and the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Alright, The Princess and the Frog. I've seen it and I've seen the music segments from it. Um Yeah, I yeah. It's no, it's good music segments. I f- it's a it, it looks like a good It's a good movie. I remember very little. It, it's it's another movie sort of similar to how like Tarzan and Hercules were sort of a warm-up round for what was coming in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Princess and the Frog very much feels like a warm-up movie for what was coming in the 2010s. When, when they started knocking it out of the park with, like, Tangled. When they started when they started making, you know, proper Disney musicals again, but this time in 3D, and Disney actually knew how to do 3D now. And then we started to get Tangled and Frozen and everybody, and Moana. Oh my god, do people love those movies. Mm-hmm. I I really like... I I like Tangled and Moana. Um, Frozen. I still I still haven't seen Moana. Moana's a good good one if you ever have the time. I know everyone tells me to see it. I just haven't gotten around to it. You can take your time. I mean it's a it's a really fun movie, but it's uh um. I mean, I I I didn't watch Frozen for many years. Me neither. Um, and but. And when I finally did see it, I thought I wasn't gonna like it because I thought it had been overhyped too much. Um, but I actually really, really liked Frozen. Frozen? I mean, like, there's a reason that, like, kids... Kids aren't dumb. Kids know... There's a reason that Home on the Range, like, flippity-flopped. Because kids probably couldn't fucking sit still during it. And their parents were fucking, like, don't... When the parents went home, they probably told all their parent friends, don't take your kids to that movie, it's gonna be a horrible time. Um, and there's a reason that Frozen fucking, like, rocketed through it's because kids aren't dumb they know what they like (laughs) but at the same time to kind of but at the same time kids are dumb (laughs) no no that's i mean yes but that's not what i was gonna say (laughs) i don't i am not a great uh fan of children (laughs) um um I think I think kids are, you know, very important. They're vital to our future, but please don't put me in a room with them. <laughs> uh, you- that that But anyway, what I was going to say is I don't think Disney could have gotten to Frozen if it hadn't spent all that time in the 2000s just kind of fucking around and trying weird ideas. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were in their midlife crisis. They had hit fifty years because, old. Well, not fifty. They had hit like seventy, eighty years old. I always forget how old Disney is. Uh, they hit. Uh, well, the first Disney movie was thirty-seven. I think was when Snow White came uh, out. Yeah, I always forget. So they were hitting. Uh, like, or they were hitting their sixties. Yeah, so kind of a, a late midlife crisis for Disney. Yeah. There, uh, the actual midlife crisis for Disney was would have probably been like the eighties. Yeah, you're right. Here's an interesting thing, just to keep in mind. Michael Eisner, who was the CEO of the Disney Company, from uh, was was from began his tenure in 1984, right around the Disney Renaissance revival. Right. That was that was he, he passed yeah, it did, off to Bob, I believe, to uh, Bob Eigner. I, I can't remember his real real name. He passed off the torch in 2005. Really? Yeah. 
That's interesting because 2005 does feel like when Disney started to shift again. Because the latter half of the 2000s does very much feel like they were still kind of being experimental. But at the same time, really what they were doing is figuring out how to do uh, 3D animation correctly. Yeah, because it's... Because they knew that was going to become the standard. And it has become the standard now. Like, nothing's 2D animated anymore. Mm -hmm. Michael Um, Eisner, I mean, that makes sense. Michael Eisner was the CEO of the company for 30 years. Like, he... If you lose that, like, you're gonna have to reinvent yourself. And, yeah. like, he was also, like, obviously... There, there's... I feel like... I feel like I remember there being some talk that he started to really lose the swing of things near the end of his tenure. Um, I mean, can you blame him? You said he <laughs> left in 2005, so we were right fresh off of Home on the Range. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know. Um, but he is kind of the one that made Disney World and Disneyland what it is today. I don't know. There's a That's a whole history. That I mean, yeah, he, he, he would have overseen the entirety of the mm-hmm. 90s renaissance. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's sort of the reason why I wanted to talk about the 2000s is because the 90s are so revered as, like, peak Disney. And the mm-hmm. 2010s are also pretty revered as, like, man, Disney is knocking it out of the park. And the 2000s kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit and and is sort of the forgotten decade. Um, But I wanted to spend some time to talk about it because if you actually take the time and really pay attention to what they were doing during this time, man, there was some interesting stuff here. It's not bad. It's all interesting. Exactly. (laughs) Even the bad, like, even as bad as Home on the Range is, I'm still absolutely fascinated by it. By how that movie came together. By, like, what people were thinking going into making that movie. And I think that's really the big takeaway from this whole decade of Disney stuff. Is that they really wanted to go off the beaten path and try a lot of different weird things. And some of them failed, but a lot of them a lot of them ended up being, like, some of the best and often underrated classics of of Disney's library. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Like for every for every uh Bolt and Chicken Little, there's Treasure Planet and The Emperor's New Groove. Mm-hmm. I would totally agree. It's it was an interesting time to grow up in, interesting interesting time to grow up in and I'm glad I did. <laughs> yeah. And I think and I think um if it weren't for this period of experimentation, I don't think we would have ever gotten movies like Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Or, or, or like Big Zootopia. Big Hero 6. Yeah. Like, I I think Disney, Disney started to get, has started to become a lot less timid about like, you know what? We want to make a movie about this. It's kind of weird, but fuck it. Yeah. We're Disney. Yeah. If it if it flops, who cares? We're Disney. We can take that hit. We, we own, own everything. I'm, yeah, they really do. All right, so we've now reached that part of the show. Now that we're done talking about two thousands Disney, where we're going to hand over the reins to uh, one of our friends, colleagues, whatever, uh, to talk about something that's important to them. This week, we've got uh, my good friend Matthew Schufrider, who's the host of uh, the podcast, Are Your Parents Proud of You, that I've plugged on here a couple of times. Um, And he's going to talk to us about um, uh, a a very important film. I'll I'll let him take it away from here. Do you remember The Cat in the Hat? Well, of course you do. The beloved Dr. Seuss book. One of the classics. One of my favorites as a kid. There's not much to talk about that with that cat in the hat. Now, let me ask another question. Do you remember the 2003 fantasy comedy, The Cat in the Hat? Of course you do. Mostly because of a couple things. A, Mike Myers going, I'm so excited! B, the double entendres in this movie. And C, the amount of potty humor that this movie has to offer. Now, when it came out, it was a bomb. And currently on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 9% which means overwhelming dislike. It's Pan. It's probably said to be one of the worst movies of all time. It is also noted for the -the behind-the-scenes behavior of star Mike Myers, who is apparently very difficult to work with. 
All that being said, let's defend this movie a little bit, shall we? Let's say that this movie, The Cat in the Hat, directed by Bo Welch, was a lot like that YouTube channel, Porn Without the Porn. Confused? Let me explain. You know how when the channel Porn Without the Porn has no porn scenes at all because it's YouTube and you can't really show any porn scenes? I kind of feel like that is what's happening with this movie. I mean, just look at the costume. It's so cheap looking. It looks like someone is just wait, ready to take it off. And that comes the double entendres. Now, let's be honest. Some of it is ridiculously stupid. Like when he chops off his tail and goes, Son of a... And cuts to the hang in there, baby. Really stupid. However, I think kind of funny. I remember laughing my butt off as a child. Or when he goes, dirty hoe. And above all, the number one dirtiest joke in the movie is when he gets hit in the balls, imagine himself swinging on a swing set in a dress and with the song, Easy Like Sunday Morning, playing in the background. I don't get that joke at all. And I'm now in my 20s and still confused by it. Did I laugh though? Of course. I don't know why I laugh. I should probably defend myself saying I do have taste. I do like, you know, film as opposed to movies. But what can I say? I should also mention that the actor, Alec Baldwin, who was in the movie, uh, kind of defended it. He said uh, he has a belief that a film is an idea about something and that because Dr. Seuss's work is so unique, making a full-length film out of one of his stories would entail taking liberties and making broad interpretations. Clearly, that is what's happening in this movie. And yes, we know that the Alec Baldwin character has nothing to do with the cat in the hat. However, don't you just see a lot of him in us? You know, no one's looking, you just take everything off and you just eat food and drink beer. This movie's not perfect. And it's not, above all, one of my favorite movies of all time. However... Can you kind of defend the, the craziness about it? Look at it. It looks like Tim Burton Jr. when they're going on, when they're sliding on the old lady, going down the slippery slope slide. It not it okay and kind of cool to watch? And yeah, the, again, back to the adult jokes. You have Sean Hayes making the Jafayud jokes. You had, come on, that's an apprentice joke right there. It was 2003. Wasn't the apprentice on or something? So, the cat in half. Is it perfect? No. Is it the worst film of all time? Depending on who you ask. Is it like the YouTube channel, Porn Without the Porn? You might just have to take a look. That's... I had to listen to it twice when I listened to it. <laughs> yeah, well, first off, I must admit, I don't know what Porn Without the Porn is. I don't know what that is at all. Neither do um, I. Um... I... I... I probably should have listened to this before earlier so I could look it up, but whatever. Um, I also have not... I feel like it's a bit self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah, like, I think I understand the concept just by the name. Um, have you seen the Mike Myers Cat in the Hat movie? Because I have not. I saw it a very long time ago, um, and then I saw it more recently, um, uh with the commentary track by the director and Alec Baldwin, which... Oh, really? Alright, um... The true art of Cat in the Hat is not within the actual movie. What you need to do is you need to go and get yourself a DVD copy of Cat in the Hat and listen to the audio, um... the audio commentary from the director and Alec Baldwin because it's just these two fucking getting drunker and drunker as they watch that <laughs> <Cat and I. laughs> now i'm that... not alex baldwin's biggest fan but i will say there is a moment in the movie where a woman gets uh hit with a substance that's a bit like slime and alec ball and her name was her name the character's name is miss kwan and she go and alec baldwin goes like oh yeah i remember this shot you can see the kwan juice just dripping off of her <laughs> Well, I did not think I would be hearing the phrase Quan Juice today. Yeah. Um, but you know what? That's that's just the kind of shit you get on the Pooh Crew. Um, ironically, I when because 
I remember when Matt first explained this concept of what he was going to talk about to me. It's like, oh, you know, this is why The Cat in the Hat is actually a good movie, but not for children, for adults. Um, and we're, it's funny that we mentioned Alec Baldwin because I actually feel that way about a different movie that Alec Baldwin is in. Are you familiar with the live-action Thomas the Tank Engine movie? I, I know of it, yes. I've not, I never watched it, but I do know of it. That film is insane. It is, I mean, especially Alec Baldwin's character in that movie is mm-hmm. insane. Um, there's a part, I mean, he frequently talks to himself for no reason in the movie. Um, there's a random part where he breaks the fourth wall for no reason. For, like, a throwaway joke that means nothing. There's, like, magic in the world, but there also isn't. Um, he People randomly shrink and expand in size when they travel between worlds. It's an insane movie. Um, and I thought of it because we mentioned Alec Baldwin. And I'm like, you know what? That's another movie that probably is not a good children's film. But, like, watching it... If you, if you get yourself, like, some booze or some weed and watch it now as an adult, you'd probably have a pretty good time. It... Now, in an earlier episode of something, I, I recorded an episode of Robots into Guys earlier where I um, compared the GoBots movie that we watched. Um, also, Go, uh, Robots into Guys, another podcast I'm on on the Brunch Sucks yep. Network. Go check get, it out. Get those, get those <laughs> yeah, plugs yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I compared uh, the GoBots movie to My Neighbor Totoro, which is a hell of a comparison. And I think we're going to go on a two-for-two two streak of insane comparisons because, yeah, I I can't sit here and say that, be high, high and mighty about the insanity that is the um, Cat in the Hat movie when one of my favorite mo- film directors is David Lynch or even... Um, yeah, and and like let, let let me say it though. I like every David Lynch movie better than the Cat in the Hat movie uh, for obvious reasons reasons that are obvious to me. But um I can't fault it for its insanity. That's not what I a thing yeah. I can fault it for. Just like I can't fault the Thomas the Tank Engine movie for its insanity. That's not where the fault comes in. And um or its absurdity even. So like <laughs> Because uh, a lot of films that I like are like that. Um, yeah, I also I also think like I think part of it is because the Cat in the Hat it's from two thousand three, so it it perfectly fits right into that time period when like we were when Hollywood was really into putting adult jokes in kids movies. They were really into that, around there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they did a lot of that. Like, I know there's been a lot of complaining from people our age about, like, how sanitized kids' cartoons are now. Um, especially, like, like old Cartoon Network shows that then get rebooted now, and they're, like, much more kidified. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I've come to the realization that it's not that they're more kidified, it's just that we grew up in the era where shit like that was allowed to do weird adult humor. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, because adult humor is, shouldn't be considered the be-all, end-all of what is funny. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, like, because a lot of these uh, more directed towards... Ch- One of my favorite fucking TV shows of all time is the animated Arthur TV show. Um, because Wow, the, that's, a, that's a blast from the past. It is not only, like, pretty... Especially, uh, older episodes, for sure, because it's the third longest-running animated show of all time. Um, but, um, so, the episodes I watched growing up are, have some of the fucking funniest shit I've ever seen, and it's just, like, just basic 101 humor, and it works so well. So, like, um, I agree with you that we just kind of grew up in this era of sneaking adult humor. Yeah, well, I think it's because, like... That's sort of the time when South Park got popular and when Family Guy and Futurama were starting to get popular. And and I think we, we as a society, had just kind of accepted that just because it's animated doesn't mean it has to be for children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, definitely. Um, yeah. Very interesting stuff. <laughs> that was a bunch of rambling, but let's uh, close up the show, shall we? I know. Yeah. That, That's what these segments yeah, are always done? are. I mean, welcome to the show. <laughs> We're four episodes we in. Was, you know this. Was that- <laughs> was that it? <laughs> I think that's it. I don't have it. Alright, so... There is a Twitter account. There is a Twitter account. Okay. It ex- Yes, it exists. I haven't done much with it, but it does exist. It is It is the Pooh Crew, at crew underscore poo. <laughs> uh, which is just how Twitter decided to write it out for me. I don't know how to change it. I'm still sort of learning how Twitter works. <laughs> Um, but it does exist, and I will be putting stuff on it. Uh, um, there's not an Instagram yet, but we'll still get on that. But for, in the meantime, go check out that Twitter. Yeah, yeah, go check out the Pooh Crew, at Crew underscore Pooh. Um, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, I'll have actually done better to actually build that Twitter account and, and use it to plug things. We're trying um, so hard, also, guys. We don't do social media. We're trying so hard. Neither, yeah, both of us, but it's like I know what good social media looks like, but I'm not proficient in doing it myself. Like, I know what this should look like, but I will see if I'll actually be able to do it. Um, so we'll just go on this journey together. Alright, would you like to, would you like to, uh, uh, chill anything? Uh, tag anything? Um... Other than, I guess, uh, go check out Are Your Parents Proud of You, hosted by Matthew Schufrider on all your podcast platforms. Uh, also check out David's other podcast, Robots Thank Into you. Guys. Um, um, once again, big thanks to uh, Boss Jesse for supplying our theme mm-hmm. music. And also, and I uh, believe our friends are putting out a podcast called um, All Systems Are Go. You should be able to find that on... Uh, uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Yes, I'm actually I'm actually very interested in that podcast. Uh, five second pitch. It's um, just about comparing the movie Argo to all the other Academy Award winners. Go give it a look. All right. Yeah, and I and you know what? I've seen a good share of like random weird Academy Award <laughs> winners, so I'm actually quite interested in that podcast. Um, but anyway. He has been David Thorpe. I have been Griffin McCorkle, and uh, I think we can safely say bye-bye, bye, everybody. Poo good until next time. <laughs>